0: Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, where we share the Sermon of the Week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. All right, who came for Jesus tonight? Let's go to the Word, Genesis 16, 7 and verse 13. Genesis 16, verse 7 and verse 13. I want to get right to the Word. Just give you a little bit to get there. Obviously, it's gonna be on the screen too, but don't be that lazy churchgoer who doesn't pull out their Bible. Don't depend on the screens. Come on, people, pull out your Bibles. Yeah, pull out your scrollers. I don't, it doesn't matter what kind of Bible, just act like you're a Christian and pull out your Bible. Come on now. Everybody's like, oh, it's right there. Like, man, you ain't watching a show. Let's pull out our Bible. The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to shore. Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord thereafter, who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. She also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? What's going on is this, Abraham Is promised he's going to have a son. It's not happening. He's waiting. The promise isn't happening. He's waiting. The promise isn't happening. Eventually, as many of us do, we feel like we got to help God out fulfilling his promise. Anybody ever been there? Lord, I know you said it, but uh, your timing might be just a little bit off this time. God, I got to help you out a little bit. We don't like the timing that God does things. We love it when he promises us something, but we're like expecting it to sometimes happen like right away, and sometimes it does. But sometimes there's a process because sometimes you're not actually ready to receive the promise until something about you changes. You see, there's a promise that's given, but then there's a desert sometimes you go through or a process of waiting. And it's in the waiting, it's in the middle of that process that you become the kind of person who can handle a promise. So some people are like, man, you told me, so I need to receive it. But if he gave it to you now, you'd mishandle it, you'd abuse it, you wouldn't be there. You'd forget all about the promiser, you'd be enjoying the promise. You're not in the right place yet. So God has a process, but Abraham wasn't cool with the process. So he's like, listen, I got to help you out. He says, I'm going to go ahead and do my own thing and help you, because I know it's a promise. So I'm going to just form my own way. So Hagar, actually, it's Sarah, his wife of all people. Isn't that crazy? His wife is the one who tells him to do this. Every man's like, yep. <laughs> his wife's the one who tells him, hey, go to, you know, one of my concubines over here. And, you know, sleep with her. He's like, what did you say? Yeah, go do that. Are you, are you telling me to? Yes. It's like a crazy soap proper. Man, the Old Testament's nuts. So, anyway, he goes. This happens. She gets pregnant. But the moment the baby's born, Sarah, the wife who told him to do it, is all upset. Of course. course. See, it's a perfect soap opera. Right? This is the drama just begins, man. You said it. Well, I don't know about it no more, right? She's getting jealous. She's getting upset. Long story short, she says, We got to send this guy off. We got to send this kid. He's not going to be the promised son. Abraham's like, what am I going to do, Lord? And Abraham, and God tells him, don't worry about it. Do what your wife's telling you to do. When did any sermon ever preached off of that? Who's ever preached that sermon? <laughs> do what your wife told you to do. Oh, Lord. <laughs> That's what God said. He said, listen to your wife. Send him out. Because Abraham didn't know it, but God already had a plan to take care of Ishmael. God already had a plan to take care of Hagar. God already had a plan, but Abraham didn't know that outside of himself, there's a bigger protection than just him. You see, there's a bigger protection over your kids than just you. You understand that you love them, but God loves them more. You love your brothers and sisters, but God actually loves them more than you do. There's a greater protection. There's, There's something bigger than you. You're not the savior. God is. Some people cannot disconnect from unhealthy people in their life because they feel the burden to be their savior. So they're there. You know they're supposed to disconnect from them. It's an unhealthy, toxic relationship. These people are dragging you down. They're making you depressed. They're negative all the time. They're just terrible. They're not good for your walk with God, but you can't disconnect because who will tell them about the Lord if I'm out of their life? You really think God's that small? God's bigger than anything you could do. Can I just say that now? God's bigger. Somebody say God's bigger. He's bigger than anything that you could say. And many times when we're talking, we should be quiet. Because when we're preaching at people, a lot of times we're actually hindering God from preaching at them. As long as your mouth keeps opening, God won't allow his to open. As long as you're still trying to control your kids, God can't get his hand on them. You ever thought about that? Well, it's all my responsibility. Ah, you're actually a co-partnership with the Holy Ghost in this. There's going to be times when he's like, no, you don't need to preach at your family. You need to just be the victory. You don't need to preach about how to get off depression. You're still depressed. That's why they're not coming to church. (laughs) Why would they want what you have when you're still suffering the way they are? You're not full of joy yet. You're not full of power. Your marriage is still falling apart. Why would they want what you have? You need to get a victory. You need God to give you some victories. You need to start piling up some wins. Because you know what the greatest sermon is? A life of freedom. A life of true victory. You're not addicted anymore. You're not depressed anymore. You got hope all of a sudden. You got joy. You're not depressed when everybody else is depressed. That's what's going to speak louder to people that know you. Because they know all your junk. And people who know you don't want to listen to you. But they will watch your life. So now they're out in the middle of nowhere. And Hagar's there thinking she's all alone. And they're about to die. But God comes and he says, I saw you, Hagar, when you were cast out. I see you now. I've seen you. And matter of fact, I'm going to take care of your son. This is what I'm going to do for him. These are the promises that I'm going to make you because I've seen you all along. Let me just say something to people in here tonight. God sees you. Well, I'm over here in Springfield, Illinois, you know, so I'm on the countryside of town. Ain't nothing out there but cows. God sees you. Well, I'm on the east side of town, man. I don't know, man. It's crazy. I can't even hardly get out my back door. But God sees you. You got to understand God sees you. Some people don't feel seen. They could be in the midst of a crowd and still feel alone. Some people have come to church for years and nobody even says hi to them. Or ever offers them a seat or anything. But they've come forever. They feel unseen. Since a baby, they were unseen. So when they were in their father's houses, they're invisible children, even though they have parents. I meet them all the time. I feel invisible to my parents. I feel invisible to my parents. I cannot tell you how many times I hear this from youth. You don't feel seen, but God sees you. In the middle of a desert, when you felt nobody else was around, God says to this woman, I'm watching you. Nobody else has to see you, but I see you. Nobody else heard what you prayed, but I heard you. You see, the God that you serve is a God who sees you and a God who hears you. He's the same God who in the midst of an entire generation came to a man named Noah and said, you are the man who found grace in my eyes. Every other person the Bible says, every other person was mine was completely on evil. But he comes to one man and he says, "But I was still looking for one man whose heart was after mine." Think about what 2nd Chronicles 16:9 says. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. "The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You see, while we're in church arguing about the color of the carpet, while we're having our church wars and we're literally competing so much with other Christians that the devil doesn't even have to do any work anymore because we're just destroying each other. God is still looking for a man or woman whose hearts are... Are fully committed to him. You see, whoever gets in office, whoever comes out of office, when we're going through all the economical changes and everything that's going on, I just want you to know, God is still searching for one thing. A heart that's fully devoted to him. You see, you can just spend your life in drama, arguing about these issues, and this person who doesn't love you anymore, this person who isn't doing this, they're not giving you the attention they deserve, but God is still looking for one thing. A heart that's fully devoted to him. God is on a hunt every day. He goes out on a hunt. He's hunting down a man or woman he can bless for surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. It's a hunt. The word follow means to hunt down with a hostile pursuit. That's what it means in Hebrew. David's saying, I got to a point in my life where I knew God's eyes were on me, that it didn't matter what cave I was hiding in, hiding for my life because God saw me. He's still getting me with the blessing. I can't hide from the blessing anymore. I try to run this way, but the blessing finds me. I try to hide over here, but the blessing's finding me. I'm trying to go over there, but the blessing, I'm in a hunt and God is marking me for blessing. Because my heart is fully devoted to God. Do you know that God is still looking tonight in Springfield for a heart that's fully devoted to him? Well, you look at Instagram and everybody has the greatest life and it's not yours. You follow all these people, man, if I could have their life. And many times we envy people who aren't even saved. You're following people on TikTok who aren't even saved and you're jealous of their life. Do you know what they're going to get when they stand in front of the judgment seat of God? (laughs) They're going to receive nothing for what they did on earth because it wasn't God's priority or kingdom. You shouldn't be jealous of that. Stop comparing your life to everybody you're scrolling through and stop following everyone except Jesus. Because God is still on the search for a heart that's fully devoted to him. He'll find you in the middle of a desert. Don't you remember when he did it for the children of Israel? That's my people. You're my special possession, he says. And he delivers them from 430 years of slavery. And in one week, they get 430 years of back pay. And they walk out richer than they've ever been. And in the desert, God looks after them so well because this is what He does for people whose hearts are fully devoted to Him. And remember, it wasn't because of them, it was because of Moses. Moses' heart was fully devoted to Him. So watch what He does. He doesn't let their clothes wear out in 40 years, He takes care of all their needs. If they got hot during the day, He put a cloud over them so the temperature could get cooler. He had His own thermometer. If they got cold at night, he had the pillar of fire. So they warmed on up. We don't have a barbecue out here. We can't cook nothing. I'll just send manna from heaven because I take care of those whose hearts are fully devoted to me. This man, Moses, is fully devoted to me. Do you know he wanted to kill the Israelites over two different times? But Moses had to get up there and be like, Lord, if you take them, you got to kill me first. Moses stands up as a shepherd does, says, Lord, Take me then. And he said, well, I can't do that. Your heart's fully devoted to me. So he said, ah, so he relents. And then he relents, right? Remember this? They're complaining. He sends some snakes to kill them. They're getting bit up. Moses and Aaron, oh, God Almighty. Oh, man. Two men whose hearts are fully devoted to me hit their face. I got to stop. I was having fun just letting these complainers just get bit by a bunch of snakes. Come on. Because honestly, complaining, I just want you to know, keeps you in the desert. Hear what I just said. Complaining about your life keeps you in the desert. You'll never enter the promise. Complaining is the way to stay in the desert. Because God does not let complainers inherit the promise. He wants warriors to inherit the promise. You got to be grateful for what God has you in right now. When's the last time you thought about all the things that could have happened to you but didn't? When's the last time you thanked God about all the doors that shut, not just the ones that are open? Do you hear what I just said? How many of y'all fell in love with somebody in high school? Right? <laughs> not the person that you did right? But you were like, oh man, it's the one. Man, I know all about it. How many are glad that God went ahead and made sure that didn't work out? When's the last time you thanked God for a closed door? Not just doors that you want to open. Because let me tell you, every closed door is a blessing, just like every open door is. What about Abraham, man? He's over there. Lord, you didn't see me, but God saw him. And at 99 years old, he changes his name. Watch what happens. He says, your name will no longer be called Abram. But I'm gonna now call you, Abram. The syllable is Numa. When he changed his name, he breathed in the of God, and the moment that Abram was changed to Abraham, he was filled with life, and the seed of life came into him in that moment. Because the Holy Ghost is the pneuma. And so when he said, your name is no longer Abram, it's Abraham, you can rewind to the beginning of all of creation. And there was a mask of dirt that was made out of the earth, but man was not living yet until the of God. And a husk of dirt became... And of all the things that God created, he said, it's good. The water, the wind, it's good. The birds are good. The animals are good. But he only said about you and me, you are very good. In other words, that's a proclamation of your life. So nothing that is not very good should be a part of your life. That one went over your head right now. Did you hear what I just said? That's a proclamation of your life. So nothing that is not very good should be a part of you. Because God called you very good. Mm. We're going to ignite faith tonight. I'm going to ignite your faith tonight. You got to remember the God you're serving. We're serving a God who sends one angel and one angel kills 185,000 people. One angel. And those angels are all around us right now because the Bible says in Psalm 103 that as we speak the word, we empower them to act on our behalf. Some of y'all angels are fat and lazy because you haven't put them to work. (laughs) (laughs) Only people who live a life of faith saying, God, I believe what you said and I'm not going to settle until I have it. Put their angels to work. Remember Joshua, a man whose heart was fully devoted to God? Remember what happened? It said that one day he's fighting a battle on God's behalf. And the sun's starting to go down. He's like, listen, God, um, you want me to win this battle, right? Uh, I'm going to need some light. Can you, you know, just kind of pause the sun for a little bit? And God stopped the sun for 24 hours because a man whose heart was fully devoted to him asked. Hezekiah. Remember Hezekiah, the king? Remember what happened? The Bible says that the prophet comes and tells him, you're going to die of this sickness. Hezekiah turns, the Bible says to the wall and he's in the wall. He says, God whispers, the prophet's already on his way walking out and he says, Lord, have I not been devoted to you? Have I not, God, done these things to please and to honor your name? And on the way out, God speaks to the prophet again. He says, hey, uh, turn around. You need to go back. Prophets, what? You need to go back. Because I heard a man whose heart was fully devoted to me. And he reminded me of who he is. And he says, go back and tell that king he's going to live another 15 years. You see, God heard you. Nobody heard him. He turns to the wall, says it within himself. But we know from this morning, God hears your thoughts. God hears your inward prayers. They could tape your mouth shut, but they can't stop you from praying. They could chain you up in a jail cell, but they can't stop you from praying. They could put you, they could put you in binds. They could walk you all up and put you in a grave, but they can't stop you from praying. Because God hears your thoughts. Do you know the God I'm bragging about tonight? Do you know how big he is? Have you been reminded how great God is? Has your faith been getting, have you been not believing? Have you been settling for a life that is less than what God wants you to have? Because I just want you to know he still hears you. He still sees you. Samson messed up, but when he was at the end, blind, eyes gouged out, he said, Lord, give me strength one more time. God heard him and more Philistines died in that moment than the rest of his life. Jesus went under the water and came up. When Jesus went into the water to be baptized and came up, the father saw it and the moment Jesus comes out of the water, watch this, Jesus breaks open the water as he comes out and heaven breaks open at the same time and the Holy Ghost comes down jesus breaks open the water heaven breaks open and the holy ghost comes down the bible says that not just the heavens open that word open means tears apart it was a renting tearing sound of the heavens if you could have heard it in the spirit the heavens are literally not able to contain the holy ghost that needs it there's no way it could have stopped the holy ghost from coming because of the man whose heart was fully devoted to his father And what did God say to him? This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Think about that for a second. What do you mean you're well pleased? Jesus hasn't done a miracle yet. What do you mean you're well pleased, Father? Jesus hasn't healed no blind people. He hasn't walked on the water yet. What are you talking about Your please? You see, because you still think being a Christian is all about all the things you can do for God. But you realize he didn't save you for a bunch of stuff you could do. He saved you so he could be with you. Because he loves you. You're his child. He did it for fellowship he did it for fellowship you see what had jesus been doing for 30 years yeah he was working as a carpenter all that but he was getting to know the rhythms of the father's heart he was loving on his father he was communing with his father so that was the first time the father got to publicly announce i'm so proud of my son because i'm well pleased because he gets the main thing the main thing is me and you Do you have that kind of relationship with God that you could whisper something, you know, he hears you that you could be in the midst of a catastrophe, you call out his name and you know he's already moving before you even prayed. Do you have a relationship with God that in the middle of the night, you feel something wake you up in the night you can't sleep and you don't question whether it's your hormones or some bad pizza that you had. No, 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 no. You know when it's the Lord waking you up because he just desires to speak with you and you can't sleep anymore. Do you have a relationship with the father who comes to you and says, I'm here. I hear you, I see you. The Bible says that he sings songs over you even as you sleep do you know that God is so obsessed with you that even while you're sleeping he's waiting for you to wake up because he doesn't sleep he's so excited about you waking up because now he gets to speak to you again that you could wake up and you say Jesus good morning good morning Holy Spirit good morning Father You see, sometimes he can't even wait for you to wake up, so he invades your dreams. I call them love letters in the night. God just invades your dreams. Job says it like this. He says that he gives dreams to those people asleep to warn them of things. He gives them to bring peace. He gives them to save them from pride. Dreams are so powerful. Dreams and visions are God's end time language. The more dreams and visions we begin to have, the closer we know Jesus is approaching, according to the book of Joel. If you ain't having dreams and you can't remember your dreams, that's not okay. Don't laugh it off. You want to have dreams from God. I knew when I was supposed to get married because of a dream. I knew when I was supposed to start ministry because of a dream. I knew when I was supposed to go to Australia because of a dream. I I mean, dreams are powerful. Love letters from God in the night. Somebody he wants to give a dream to. That's why I'm saying this. He wants to start giving dreams. He doesn't want to wait for you to wake up. He wants to talk to you because sometimes, honestly, in your dreams is the greatest opportunity for God to speak because you're too busy during the day. You're not giving him no time. Your mind is running and rushing so much. You're stressed. You got so much anxiety. And remember, God doesn't speak in the middle of stress and anxiety. He waits for you to quiet down. God will not compete with the other voices in your life. He simply waits for you to turn them down so his voice can be heard. The Bible says his eye is on the sparrow. He sees every sparrow. The Bible says he knows the number of hairs on your head. God sees you. Some of y'all are like, well, he doesn't have much to count. (laughs) Shoot. We all just know it's wisdom. We know it's the glory of God. That's why the hair ain't there no more. The glory. That's what my dad says. He says, my God. He says so much glory. You know, the way my dad talks. Glory. You know, what? I can't do it, but. <laughs> he thinks about you more times than there's sand on the seashore. Now remember, that's not just talking about one beach. We're talking about all the sand of all the seashores of all the earth. If you take one cubic foot of sand, you have over six million grains He's obsessed with you. Get this, the Bible says that God can measure the entire universe in the span of his hand. So please understand, we have telescopes that go out millions of light years now. We have thousands of light years and even more. We can go out light years. We have incredible telescopes now, but they're still finding more universe. It's still growing. They're still finding there's more out there. The universe is an ending, but if they could measure it and they could find the ending, if there's an ending out there, it would still only be big enough to go from God's pinky to his thumb. And then he says in Isaiah, I have now written your name on the palm of my hand. Please get this. If the universe is from his pinky to his thumb and he wrote your name, you are the center of God's universe. Somebody needed to hear this. Because you've been thinking you're alone. God sees you. You've been thinking you're not heard. God hears you. Psalm 14, two through three. The Lord looks down from heaven on the entire human race. He looks to see if anyone is truly wise, if anyone seeks God. But no, all have turned away. All have become corrupt. No one does good, not even a single one. Do you know that God crouches over heaven? Wow. Look at this picture. The Father leans over the decks of heaven and He's looking if anyone is seeking for Him like He's seeking for them. God just wants you to seek Him as much as He's seeking you. God wants to be desired as much as He desires you. He seeks to be sought, He desires to be desired. But his eye is on you. Sometimes we have unbelievable stories where God shows how much he sees you. I'm going to tell you just a couple right now. And then we're going to pray. These are just some incredible stories. Just want to mention a few. I have more than these that I can number in my life of 38 years. But let me just tell you a couple. Just within the last year and a half. One morning I was up. I have a son named Maximilian. Beautiful kid. He's turning four at the end of this month. He's fully boy, 100% boy, let me tell you. I'm sweating every day on that trampoline for hours, y'all, hours on the trampoline. I'm loving it, though. He keeps me in shape, that's for sure. So uh, one day he wakes up in the night before, I'd say, hey, son, we're going to have pancakes tomorrow, you know. I'm going to make you some pancakes. Yay, pancakes, you know. He goes to sleep. The next morning, you better believe he reminded me of it. Da-da, pancakes. It's like 5.30 in the morning. Oh, okay, yes, that's right. Oh, my God, yes. Uh, You know, (laughs) it's like Jesus. Yeah, he got up early that morning. So I come out there. Ashley was gone on a trip, my wife, Ashley. And um, so I wake up, and I'm getting the stuff, and I got the pancake mix. I pull it out, and, you know, I'm getting the milk. I pull it out, you know, going to get the oil, pull it out. I look in the refrigerator. Oh, no, I don't have any eggs. And I'm like, I can't tell this boy. He literally is on the table with his fork and his knife. Pancakes, pancakes, pancakes. Literally. I'm just like, ha. Ah. And I'm looking in the fridge and I'm like, I'm about to tell this boy I gotta go to the store. He's gonna break down crying. Because he's expecting the pancakes now. You can't tell a two and a half, three-year-old, it ain't gonna happen now, it's gonna happen 15 minutes. Fifteen minutes is an eternity for a two and a half to three-year-old. So I'm just about to give him the news and I hear a knock at the door. My front door of my house. I walk down the steps of the front door of my house. I open the door. There's a woman who's on my porch with a huge thing of eggs. A random neighbor. She never comes to my house. She's like, we just got some chickens. And I just wanted to know, maybe you wanted some eggs. We just got so many. Would you like some? <laughs> now listen, some of y'all be like, oh, that's a coincidence. Wait till I tell you the next 20 stories and you still think if it's a coincidence. But anyway, I fall on my knees. I say, oh, thank you so much. I take them trying to hold my tears, slam the door on her, ah, fall down. You know why? because God saw my son wanted some pancakes well that's not very spiritual Gavin well you don't understand a father not every time is it some miraculous healing walking on water fish turning sometimes it's just reminding you I see you I'm there with you (laughs) you see when I was born I was born with water in my lungs and inside of my brain I wasn't breathing. My dad says when I came out, the doctor literally said, we got to get him on a respirator right away uh, because he's going to die. So my dad was looking at me, but my heavenly father also was looking at me. And He told my earthly dad a promise, which is now my life scripture. James 1:17. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. There's no shadow of turning. He said, this is a perfect gift. Don't worry. For eight weeks, I'm on a respirator, but God's seeing me for eight weeks. My dad was getting thousands of people. Maybe you guys were one of them. I don't know. Praying for me all over the world because God saw me. They destroyed my vocal cords, so I literally had no voice for the first two years of my life. I'd sleep inside of a glass crib because when I'd cry, I'd make no noise, so my mom would have to see me through the glass. But I got to tell you, I grew a vocal cord box, and I've never shut up since because the devil means something for your harm, but God knew... God saw me. You see this is why I say that story because my son came out not breathing. Woo-hoo-hoo. My son started having some serious difficulties. My wife pushed for 44 hours. And then my son's heart rate is going like this on the inside because his head, God bless him, just like his dada was too big way too big so doctors like we got to do a c-section right now we got to get this baby out I didn't understand c-sections so I thought they were like a really long affair but he said we'll have this baby out in about 10 minutes I look at him and I say sir are you telling me you could have had this baby out in 10 minutes we've just pushed for 44 hours I literally was about to break the man's arm I had fantasy of a violence I'm telling you right now I thought it took hours for a C-section, I never knew. I should've asked my mom who had four of them. I should've asked my sisters who all had three of them, but I never asked. So anyway, as I forgave the man for something that wasn't his fault, I'm there, they take him out. He's full of liquid, nothing, he's not breathing. He's got issues, they're jamming pipes down his throat. He's not making any signs of life. They're slapping him, they're doing everything they can. And you know what I'm doing? I'm smiling because I know how God saw me when I came out. So I wasn't, I literally wasn't worried for one moment. They can't get my son to breathe, I'm there. Oh, thank you, Jesus, what a beautiful boy. They're slapping him around. Oh, thank you, God, what a gorgeous boy. they're coming to me. He's gonna have to go to the NICU right now. I mean, he could be there for a month, two months. We don't know, it's just, we're trying to get a signs of a heartbeat right now. Oh, Lord. Woo, this son's about to be powerful. You know why? Because I knew God saw me. God sees my son. That boy was out of there within like four days or something, three or four days. They're like, he do not need to be in here. We got to get him out of here. We took him home. Yeah. All better, all healed. a man who was in Australia when I was there for many, many years. I was going to Bible college for a period of time and they sent me out with these street ministries. So we would do street ministry for one and a half to two weeks. This is when I was part of a really big church out there and just was there for about two years. And so they're like, Gabby, we want you to lead a team. I'm like, I don't know nothing about leading street teams. I said, but I'll just let you know if I see somebody and I want to pray for him, I'm going to pray for him. They said, that's why we want you to lead the team. I said, okay. So we went in a 15-passenger van, we go and visit this guy, we're moving all of his landscaping, moving these huge boulders in the back and everything, and we're about to leave and um, this guy's house was like way out there, I, I don't even know how we found it. This man, he was had a cane, he was hardly able to walk, so he was like so blessed that we came out and helped him with his yard. But right before he see, he's got these glasses on, he's humped over, I said, sir, um, God sees you, God loves you. He looks at me, starts crying on the spot. I'm telling you, there's one of the most powerful things you can say. God sees you. God loves you. And you know what? I think he wants to heal you today, sir. Takes off his glasses, pray for him. His eyes are completely healed on the spot. He's sitting there with his cane right on the spot in front of all these college students. I've never seen a miracle. He straightens up his back and God heals him on the spot because God saw him. On our way from that man's house, get this, I'm in the back of this 15 passenger van and it starts pouring down rain. Like all the all the uh, students are like in awe about what just happened and the power of God. And I'm still just praying in the Holy Ghost because I'm just still feeling the anointing on me. And I know that at the anointing, I'm still feeling, it's hard to explain, but if there's something still on you, I know it's because something's unfinished, but I don't know what's going on. So I'm just sitting back there. I'm like, huh, maybe I just need to pray, you know? So, I, so I'm so i just praying under my breath and everything. I'm in the back of this 15 passenger packed with college students and I look to the left and it's raining so hard I can hardly see but I see a huge field full of pigs like tons of pigs just out there eating in the field and I see that's not a pig what the heck is that and I'm like rubbing the window trying to look out it's a woman there's a woman who's standing out in the middle of the rain she's not moving and she's literally in the middle of all these pigs and she's just standing there like this on? God speaks to me. Tell her that I see her and that I love her. I'm like, God, I'm in the back of a 15 passenger van. Tell her that I see her. I say, stop. The guy slides, freaking out. Something wrong? Something wrong? I freaked out the pastor. Something wrong? What's going on? I I don't even talk. I literally pushed past him. I go. I literally get, I open up the door of the 15 passenger van and I begin to run down the street in the rain. I'm just running because you know when you're doing things for God, sometimes you look like a fool and it doesn't make no sense. But I wasn't trying to ask, so I'm just running. I'm going. Literally, I feel like I'm the chariots of fire. I mean, it was crazy. I was like, my life's in slow motion right now. Like this is the most bizarre thing. I did not wake up this morning thinking I was going to be sprinting down some backcountry road in the middle of the rain to a pig farm in Australia. So I go all the way to the fence. no joke. all I knew to say is what God told me. She's way out there. So I gotta scream. I'm like, bam, did you know that God loves you? And he sees you? You can see her all the way over there doing this. Just like I can feel I can, I can feel it right now as if I'm in the moment. She's just like weeping crying. She's walking over toward me and she goes, what did you say to me? And I said, God loves you, ma'am, and he sees you. He says, well, if that's the truth, he's the only one who does. She's got pig dung in her hair. She's been sleeping out there with the pigs because that's what she said she saw herself as. Her family had just left, all of her children abandoned her, her husband left for another woman just months earlier she's out there by herself. She's like, I just curled up. I haven't eaten. I want to die. And I reach over to give this woman a hug, but it's an electric fence. I didn't know it. So I literally reach over and boom, I get hit with this electric fence. Here's the deal. I didn't feel one bit of pain, but she screamed and I screamed anyway. that's like whatever volts of electricity I'm like I'm okay I'm alright I was like, ma'am, just why don't you just reach your hand over here? Let's just shake hands, you know? So, I mean, crazy. So I'm there and I take her hand and I see this massive hump on the back of her back. I say, ma'am, what's going on with you? She's crying, can hardly speak because the love of God has just invaded the situation. The love of God found a woman on a pig farm in the middle of Australia, out in the middle of nowhere, because he saw her and he loves her. So we're there and I'm just bringing the message from the messenger of love and that he sees her. So I'm there and I put my hand on her back. and God be my witness. The hump is going down under my hand as I'm just sitting there with her. say, ma'am, do you have a family anywhere else? She said, I know nobody. I said, ma'am, the church is about to become your family. Here's the number. Here's it. Make sure you make it. We're going to send some people out here. What else do you need, ma'am? I I said, are you saved? She's saved. What's that? I said, it means this. Jesus came and died for your sin. Give her the gospel. She receives Jesus on the spot, weeping the whole thing, becomes a part of the women's ministry. All of it right there. They come and pick her up. They give her a shower. They clean her up. She's all there now because God saw her. And God loves her. I have so many of these stories. I'll just tell you two more, just real quick. There was, um, I go to Texas (laughs) and I'm supposed to do a healing meeting in Texas. And if y'all know Texas, it's like its own United States. It's massive. Sorry, I gotta tie this. So (laughs) I'm on my way out there and I'm talking, you know, there's like country and then there's like, country. I'm driving and there's literally nothing but open fields for two and a half hours. I'm like, this is the place they take you to kill you and leave you to die. So I'm like in the car, I'm like, my God, my phone's not picking up any reception. I'm like, oh my gosh, the map's like going in and out. I'm like, oh my Lord, it's a horror story. They're gonna kill me out here. You know, I'm like, I'm seriously just like, what is going on? Like, I'm getting nervous. Anyway, I look at the time. I'm already 45 minutes late for my own meeting because I'm lost. I'm lost in the middle of nowhere in Texas. And anyway, I keep driving and all of a sudden I hear a beep, beep, like a text message came in because I got one bar of service and I'm like, oh, and it's the pastor. Where are you? Are you still coming? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't need to text him. I call him on the spot. I parked the car and I call him on the spot. I'm like, hey, I don't want to lose any reception. Just so you know, I'm so sorry, sir, but I got lost out here. I know, hopefully you guys have had a great meeting because by this time it's like 8, 8.15. I was supposed to be there at 7. It started at 7. He's like, what are you talking about? We've had a great meeting. They're all waiting for you. I said, what do you mean they're waiting for me? It's 8.15. He said, nobody's moved. We need the power of God tonight. Are you still coming? That they're all here. He said it's literally packed. They're all here. They're waiting in the foyers. They're waiting everywhere. I said, Oh my gosh. I said, sir, you're gonna have to help me get there. Don't lose me. You're gonna have to give it. He said, okay, all right. So you see that uh that gate over there? There's gonna be a blue gate, a green gate. There's gonna be a gate with two uh, red pins that come off of the one you see with two red pins, you take a ride on that road, and then when you see the, the stake that's a little bit off, kind of leaning this way, that's the one you turn left on. I mean, that's the directions. Luckily, we did not lose reception all the way there. Guys, I get there. It's a small church. I'm talking half the size of this building right here. But literally, there are cars in the middle of the fields, hundreds of cars. In the middle of nowhere in Texas, I start crying on the spot, as I might do right now. I'm like, Lord, what is going on? Who are these people? People live out here? I get out of my car, I walk, the doors open to the foyer. The moment the doors open, the people are so packed. They start at the beginning of the, of the stage. They're packed all the way out to the foyer where literally they're jam packed like this. I open the door, they all begin screaming. I was like, "Lord God, you better show up." Oh Jesus, oh Jesus. That's all I'm saying, Lord God Almighty. These people, because I can't heal anybody, but my God, Jesus could use me to do it. So I'm there. I'm like making my way shimmying through. It's like eight thirty now, eight forty, almost two hours. Nobody left. They're there, no music's playing. There's no worship team. They're not able to worship because on the stage are all the people as well. I like get this tiny square foot of space that I stand in and they're like, go for it, brother Gavin. I say, well, God is here tonight. God, I literally couldn't say anything else. I was like, I guess I can't preach. I think they're ready for miracles. So I just say, why don't we just start praying right now? First woman who comes up. She's pregnant. I mean, she's about to pop. And I'm like, ma'am, you're about to pop. <laughs> That's literally what I said. I said, like, you're about to pop, ma'am. You're about to have this baby. I said, my lord. She says, yeah, I'm nine months. And 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 I said, um, so why are you here? What's going on? And I knew something about the baby and I didn't want to hear it. I'm like, oh dear God. So she's like, my baby. I just came from the doctors. They're saying I need to have an abortion because I'm gonna die because this baby is bleeding. Its brain is hemorrhaged. It's bleeding inside of me right now. This is how she's saying it on the microphone. And she says, she says, but I know that if I would be here tonight, my baby is gonna be completely whole. I said, where'd you come from? She said, I'm about three and a half hours away. my hand I didn't even touch her I'm telling you guys God was already on the move because this woman's faith was not taking no just get what I just told you you don't have to take no you don't have to have somebody there you don't have to have the greatest evangelist in the world you just gotta know it belongs to you wow so I'm just there and I put my hand out and I literally said and the best way I could describe it is like a scalpel a literal sharp tool came through the center of my hand and went into her I literally put my hand up when I go whoa and she goes whoa we literally went whoa at the same moment I'm like ma'am what just happened And she's going "Ah," like jumping. I'm like, my God, my God, my God, my God, ma'am, 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 ma'am. And I'm like, what's going on? She's like, I'm healed, the baby's healed, the baby's healed. I'm like, how do you know, ma'am? I mean, we don't know. She's like, I know my baby's healed. Fast forward a year and a half. I go to another church in Texas, a totally different area outside of the woodlands called Magnolia, Texas. And I'm there and there's this church called Freedom Church. We were having miracles happen, and I wasn't married yet, so I was able to be there for three solid months. So we were doing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we take about Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, every single week. And by the end of three months, 10 churches had come together and gotten involved. Now, please understand, the miracle wasn't the miracles. The miracle was that 10 pastors could do anything together hear what I'm saying? 10 pastors getting together for Jesus. Are you kidding me right now? So I'm there. There was uh, so many lakes were growing out. Things were happening. We were putting the x-rays and stuff on the walls as people were coming in of the miracles. So literally the affidavits and the x-rays and stuff that were going on, we were putting them there. So when people walked into the hall, their faith was literally like, because <laughs> they're seeing all the miracles happen. So I'm sitting on the front row right there and I feel this little tug on my leg. And I look over, there's this beautiful baby boy. He's like a year, year and a half. I'm like, hey man. He's just looking at me with his beautiful blue eyes. He goes, hi. I said, who are you? My name is blah, blah, blah. A woman walks over this way. She said, and she taps on the shoulder. She looks at me, she said, do you remember me? I say, I'm so sorry, I don't said, why ma'am? Why? She goes, I was the woman. And when she began to say this word, it came on me. She said, I was the woman who was out in the middle of nowhere at that church in Texas who was pregnant and her baby was bleeding. This is my boy right here. And he wanted to come and thank you for praying. <laughs> Woo! You see, because God saw a woman, in the middle of a field in Texas, who was believing for her boy. I have so many more I could say. I'll only just say one last one. This one's about my sister Bethany. She has so many miracles and stuff that happened like this too, but she uh, went to New York with uh, her girls, with uh, Indian Ariana and her son Ethan. And um, they were going to go see the uh the tower. And they're in the shop right before they get on the boat, and there's all this gift shop and everything, and the, the girls are like, Oh, I want this, and she's like, Pick out one thing. So they pick out their thing and their thing, and then Ethan picks out this one thing and bring them. And she's like, you know what? And she just felt, she's like, You don't need to get it here. And she's like, Is that you, Lord? She's like, This is so random. Why would you talk to me in a gift shop? But she's like, I don't know. So just put them back. I think we're gonna get something on the other side. They get onto the boat, there's a woman who's on the boat, and the woman um, is like she just comes up to Bethany she's like watching her and Bethany's like what is going on with this woman she's literally watching me like it's kind of freaky so the woman like finally walks up and she's like yes can I help you (laughs) you know and the woman's like listen who are you I just got to talk to you. I don't know why. There's something about you. Who are you? She's like, my name is Bethany Fraser. And and she's like, what do you do? We're part of an orphanage in Guatemala. And these are my kids. We're just visiting the States right now. Just kind of taking a trip on the way to da-da-da. She's like, oh my gosh, you're part of an orphanage? So says yes. And then they get connected about the orphanage and all this is happening. And as they get off the boat, she has a bag in her hand, this woman. And she says, um, I know this might not be anything, but I just want to give this bag to you or whatever before we go. Thank you exchange numbers the whole thing she runs off the ship they go and sit down at a restaurant they open the bag the exact item that Ethan picked he picks out of the bag that he wanted the exact item India had picked in that store picks out of the bag there's hundreds of items the exact item Ariana picks out of the bag only three items in the bag each one exactly what they picked and put back because God sees you Sometimes he just wants you to know he's there. He hears you and he sees you right now. Let's move into the power of God because you have a God who loves you. a God who sees you. It's not by might. It's not by power. Psalm 139, one through 18. Listen to these scriptures. Close your eyes right now. Listen to these words as I say them. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know, when I sit down and when I stand up, You you know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. Even if I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride on the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness I cannot hide from you, God." To you, the night shines as bright as the day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in other seclusion, as I was woven together in the darkness of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed how precious are your thoughts about me oh god they cannot be numbered i can't even count them they outnumber the grains of sand and when i wake up you are still with me you see everybody look at me right now god did not just intend for you to sit by and hopefully survive this christian life wanted you to become a love note to every person you meet he wanted you to become that encounter of love that you could tell people something hey i just want you to know clerk at walmart god sees you and he loves you i just wanted you to know mechanic God sees you and he loves you. I just wanted you to know as I'm taking a walk down the street and I just drove here to the church and on my way to the church, I just drove through the east side of town and I'm telling you there are families that are all out on their porches and people all over the streets just walking around that are waiting for love notes like you and me to go out there and say, God sees you, God loves you and I want you to know there's a family for you. There's a hope for you. Do you need anything? I want to show you. I want to be a love note. I want to be an encounter with God. When you encounter me, you encounter God. When you come in contact with me, you come in contact with Jesus. Who wants to become that? Who wants to know they are that? God sees you, don't you think you should tell somebody else? Don't you think you should show somebody? I cannot tell you the innumerable amount of stories of how they started in the craziest of ways. But I had to say, ma'am, God sees you, He loves you. Every time I get on a plane, there's another story. Every time I get a rental car, it's another woman who's in the booth who needed to hear, God sees you, God loves you. I cannot tell you how many times I'm in Walmart, how many times I walk into a restaurant, the waiter comes up, oh, I just had to tell you, God sees you, He loves you. He wants to heal you right now. Do you know Jesus? Guys, the harvest is ripe. The laborers are few. Not everybody's going to reject you. Matter of fact, 99.9% of people love hearing God sees you and God loves you. It would really make their day. As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.